Thank you for taking the time to view this message online. You can connect with us more through our comment section of this video, through our Facebook page, or through our website, nhgj.org. I am making an all-out push to back the campaign of the one who is most capable of leading us both now and into the future. I am speaking out on behalf of the kingdom of God where Jesus Christ is king, both in 2020 and forever. We're in the home stretch in this series of messages. And in fact, the U.S. elections are in the home stretch. Voting takes place here as this recording is being made uh, within the next week. And as we approach the day that ballots will be tallied, there's an in increase in tension and anxiety and fear among many people. There's always been a level of anxiousness from those who invest in one party over another, and they view that as the solution. But this election seems to be amplifying that in unusually strong ways. In an article about the rising tension in the U.S. at this time, there's a human rights group that typically works in developing nations, and he was talking about this year's U.S. elections. The article reads this way. It says, Tim Phillips, the founder and CEO of the nonprofit Beyond Conflict, has worked in deeply divided societies in South Africa and Northern Ireland. He never imagined U.S. democracy would face similar challenges. We thought we were immune to it, he said. When we looked at our own problems, we thought, of course we have some big issues, but we're in a sense immune from the us versus them mindset, a sectarian mindset where there could be real conflict. Now, sadly enough, groups like Tim's and others who have groups that work with conflict resolution during times of elections, they're here in the U.S. trying to help us figure out how to navigate through a very controversial and heightened tense, uh, tensions within our elections. The truth is, it's actually pretty normal to feel tension. It's normal for people to feel a measure of anxiety during election times because it involves transition. Anytime we go through some type of change or transition, we have this sense of a loss of control. There's an uncertainty about what will happen next and this unpredictability. So whether that's personal changes, uh, changes in your family life, changes in work, uh, national elections, or worldwide even due to COVID, we're reminded that things are unsettled all over the world. And with us, we lack a sense of control over what's next. And as a result, one of the things that disappears is a sense of peace and rest when we lack control. In its place comes anxious thoughts, troubledness and restlessness. Sleep eludes us and our minds are busy, even waking us up in the middle of the night, reminding us that there's problems, there's things that are not completely settled. There's this over-the-top things that come to the front of our mind where even in our day-to-day -day responses, we respond even more forcefully than we normally would because of this underlying tension. <laughs> I said I didn't want my sandwich toasted. 
we might say with an over-exaggerated emphasis, with this underlying unease that's been building over months, invites questions from the people around us. Are you okay? You seem a little uptight. When our plans and our ability to make assumptions about the future go unanswered or they're unclear, it causes an uneasiness within us. And especially within the U.S. In the United States where I live and where most of the people who watch this message live, we're accustomed to having more control over our lives. Our affluence and our power affords us the ability to make decisions that cause our lives to work out somewhat the way that we had planned them to. We have a measure of control over what happens next in our lives. And when something happens, when we don't like a limit in our life, a, a roadblock maybe to say, we find ways to work around them, either financially or exerting our influence to be able to make it so we can get around that roadblock. And then in a sense, we make life work easier for us. And we applaud that ability to be uh, creative in the way that we address roadblocks. It's viewed as a virtue. The more control we gain over circumstances, the more peace we experience because we can control what happens next. If I don't like how my child is doing in school, I might change their school. If I don't like how my work is limiting my potential, I might change jobs. I don't like what my church is doing, I might change churches. I don't like how my family is questioning my life choices, I might break ties with one or more of my family members. Now, are there reasons to make change? Yes. Yes, of course, there are different times that changes are healthy and, and necessary. So this is not a judgment for making choices that are available, but it is a recognition that we have many options to work around things that maybe might be a roadblock. We have uh, the ability to control the outcomes that face us in many ways. In fact, what we call cancel culture in 2020 has been going on for as long as humans have existed. It's not unique to us. You don't like the prophet's message? Just kill the prophet. Cancel culture at its most extreme expression. Cancel culture is human culture. We want to control the environment. We want to control what we hear, how we feel about ourselves. So we live in a measure of predictability. And whenever something becomes unpredictable, we hurry to try to control it or resolve it and so that we have more predictability and more control over what's happening next. This often, often then equates in our lives to living in peace. Life interrupted and how I've scripted it gives me a sense of peace in many ways. So this takes us back to 2020 elections. It takes us back to power sources, political control. And one of the things that goes missing during these times of unpredictability is control. Who's going to be an authority? Which party is going to be an authority? Which person is going to be an authority? And how's it going to affect me or you? This is one of the questions that comes up. So anxiety, tension, fear, increase because we lack control. And in lacking control, oftentimes 
we or those we know lack peace. So in this message, I'm going to go back to a scripture that was actually in the very first message of this series, Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7. It's a passage that we often read around Christmas time because it's the foretelling of Jesus's coming. Isaiah 9, 67 says, For to us a child is born, for to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Now, one of the primary characteristics of Jesus's kingdom is that he ushers in not only an era or a moment of peace, but he brings to us a peace that is ever-expanding and never-ending. Ever-increasing, uninterrupted peace is what comes through Jesus's lordship. When Jesus is king, this is a, a trademark or a characteristic of the kingdom of God. Well, especially in this time that we're living, we have a strong message that we need to hear ourselves and also that we can share to those around us. And so uh, I, I want us to be able to look at the scriptures in this message. I want to be able to communicate a couple things about them. And I pray that it will be transformational in your sense of peace, but also for those that you care about and you speak to in your communities, that you have a message that goes far beyond the peace that can be brought by control, but a peace that comes through Christ. So let's pray and we'll invite this idea of the kingdom of peace into our lives. Lord, we thank you for your word. May it be powerful to speak to us as we have ears to hear and a heart to receive. May in this moment, as we read from the word of God, may our hearts come to this place of settling. Any anxiety that we have be, begin to dissipate and be May we be put at rest before you and before your spirit as you speak to us through your scriptures. We thank you for this time in Jesus' name, amen. Well, to contrast what Jesus brings us in the kingdom of God, I wanna highlight a couple ways that people look for peace within the world, the way that peace is sought after oftentimes from people how they view peace as being achieved without God. The first is peace is viewed as the absence of material conflict. And this is just what I meant earlier, is that conflict is anything that stops or even inhibits my life and the way that I script it. So however I want my life or you want your life to go, anything that pops up in life, I want to work to remove it, any type of obstacle so I have peace when I can live life the way that I planned it. Elections, COVID, work, health issues, et cetera, et cetera. Any of those, when I can gain control over my conditions, then I have this sense of peace. Now I know what's going to happen. I have predictability and I have a measure of control of how life can go from here going forward. Many people never move out of this place, which is actually difficult because there's very few times in your life where you or I would have total control. There's always a measure of unpredictability about the things that are happening in our lives or the people that we care about. 
So that's why so many people struggle with finding peace is because they're the elusiveness of gaining real control over the material circumstances of their lives. However, that doesn't keep us from trying. People over and over will continue to control their circumstances using their affluence, their wealth, or their influence, their power, to be able to control life enough to make it predictable and be able to feel like, at least for a moment, they can be at peace. The second way that people work towards achieving peace apart from God is working towards a mental uh, ascent and removing, uh, creating the absence of conflict in their minds. So in this type of peace, it's a little more mystical. It invites you to center around yourself, to void your mind, empty your mind of anything that would cause you to be uneasy or uncomfortable. The goal is that through instruction, either from spiritual masters or spiritual entities, you can achieve enlightenment. And through enlightenment, you will rise above in this human life to an altered consciousness. Sometimes people use meditation, sometimes mantras, trances, etc. They use these different tactics to actually believe that they are becoming one with God and in a sense becoming God themselves. By understanding this idea, the person then believes himself to becoming part of the cosmic divine. This is one where, again, I have control over what happens to my mind. So instead of removing the conflict of materials, I'm removing conflict that happens mentally in myself. And this idea that I can achieve peace because it all centers within me. And I can control what I think about and I can control uh, the world just through uh, observing it through a different lens where I'm the center and I become the master of my world by centering around myself. Now, either of these two, the absence of material conflict or mental conflict, either of these two all are based out of the individual. And so you are going to be the one who's in control of this. It says it's up to you. If you want to find peace, it's going to come through you. You have to do the work to get yourself to a state where you're in control of the material things. You have to get yourself in a state where you are in control of your mental understanding. It's this idea that you provide your peace. I'm going to shift here and give us a different perspective. This is one that comes to us through, Christ, through the Christian scriptures. It opens up this idea that where the previous two ideas that I presented have to do with you being in control of your peace, the Bible says something much different about it. The Bible is really clear that our peace doesn't come from ourselves. It doesn't come from control of the circumstances, nor does it come through a mental ascent that just changes how we see things? It's actually a real peace. But it's not something that comes from us, but it comes to us from Jesus Christ. John chapter 14, verses 25 to 27. This is Jesus speaking. And he says, These things I have spoken to you while I'm with you. John 14, 25 to 27. These things... I have spoken to you while I am still with you. 
But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You see, for the Christian, peace is not a product of one's own working, but it is a gift, a free gift given by Jesus Christ that can remain with the individual. It's not a fleeting moment that comes and goes based on the circumstances. It's not a uh, position that one has to hold in their mind. It is a free gift that comes through recognizing Jesus Christ as King. Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Jesus did not make peace conditioned on something that we could earn or that we'll get and we'll receive when we accomplish a certain spiritual level. In fact, one of the most common things that people express when they receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior, when Christ is king of somebody's life, one of the first things that they say is that an overwhelming sense of peace has washed over their life and they've felt a release or just a sense of uh, being unburdened like they had never felt before. This is Jesus's peace. He says, my peace I give to you. He freely gives his peace to those who crown him king and make him Lord. It's a gift imparted to the Christ follower as a result of accepting Jesus Christ. It's not measured according to your spirituality. It's measured to Jesus himself. My peace, Jesus says, I give you. It's not, I'll give you some peace and a little more later on. He just says, I freely give it. Now, some Christians will ask in this, if I can have it right away and it's not given according to my spirituality, how come I don't always feel peace? Now, this goes to the truth that while we don't earn these things, it's a free gift. It's not earned by our efforts. We do experience them to the measure that we walk in step with the Holy Spirit. We're not earning it by spiritual maturity, but we are experiencing it the deeper that we walk with Christ. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 27. This is Paul speaking to the Galatian church that was trying to work out their efforts uh, through the law. He says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. 
Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Nested in that passage that I just read in verse 22, we see this, that as part of of the, the fruit of the Spirit, what's produced within us is peace. So while our peace is provided as a free gift from Jesus Christ, we have been grafted into the vine of Jesus. And yet, we find that we have to continue to abide. And the deeper we abide in Christ and keep in step with the Spirit, the more we experience the fruit, which includes the peace that Jesus has provided for us. So let me put it this way. Christians don't strive for a peace that removes all conflict. Instead, they embrace an imparted peace that is only experienced through the overflow of the Spirit. So we receive it as a free gift and we experience it as an overflow of the Holy Spirit at work within us. It's not a peace that removes all the circumstance or even the troubles and hardships that we're thinking about. What it does, it's imparted through Christ and it's experienced as we embrace the work of the Spirit and keep in step with the Spirit. Peace flows through that vine in an unending display and it's on dis, uh, unending supply and it's on display in our lives and it's experienced as we walk in step with the Holy Spirit. Where those who live apart from Christ view peace as the absence of conflict in the material or the mental worlds, the Christian says, I can be surrounded or even immersed in conflict and trouble But because peace is not born out of my own life, but imparted from Jesus Christ, I just need to receive the fullness of the Spirit and peace will abide in me as part of that. Boy, that's such a contrast between those two mindsets. One is a condition for the non-believers, for the one who does not walk with Christ. Everything is conditioned on the surroundings in order for peace to abide. For the Christian, the reminder is that we have it. We don't have to earn it. We don't have to work for it, but we do have to abide in it. We do have to be in step with the Spirit if we want to experience it. So if you're a follower of Jesus and you're saying, but this peace seems so elusive, can I encourage you, immerse yourself in the Spirit. Immerse yourself in the presence of Jesus through worship and through the Word. Immerse yourself in just being still before Him and allowing Him to move your decisions, to move your heart and your motivations that's when the peace comes as we're in step with the Spirit instead of pushing and trying to have our way in in different circumstances. So please hear me on this. This is so important that we catch this. The reason this is so important for this moment is that there are literally hundreds upon thousands of people who are on the verge of becoming unhinged this coming week when the elections take place. They're already anxious Their adrenaline is amped up. The rhetoric and divisive language is at full volume. Their mind is not at rest, but instead it's filled with doomsday scenarios about what happens in the coming weeks, what happens in the coming months or years if their candidate or candidates of choice don't win. This is the culture that the church finds itself in the United States right now. It's in this environment that Jesus is calling his church to be a prophetic voice to the world. I'm not talking about a a prophetic message of prosperity or doom if this guy or that guy wins or this one wins or loses. That's actually the same message that those without Jesus are saying. 
It's just wrapping it in religious terms or wrapping it in Jesus's name, but it's the same idea. It's conditioned on whoever wins an election, and that's not a prophetic message. Listen, they understand why we have peace when we're in control or when things are going the way we want. They experience that without Jesus. They don't need a prophetic voice to have conditional peace. They need a true prophetic voice in the culture. No, a biblical and true prophetic voice reveals Jesus as king, bringing peace to its listeners who accept this message of reconciliation to God, but brings true conflict for those who reject it. In other words, this is the moment in time where the church gets to rise above the politic of the day and truly recognize Jesus as king and be able to say, you know, true peace comes not because this person or that person is selected, but real peace comes because Jesus is on the throne of my life and because he is the true and victorious king over death, hell, and the grave, and he has conquered the effect of sin that has driven a wedge between us and God, God, Jesus has reconciled us to the Father. This is the moment we can point to the victorious Jesus who has never lost a battle and who has his own agenda for his bride and for all nations. This is the moment to be that voice, that prophetic unveiling of who Jesus is in a culture so torn apart, so anxious, so worried. The church, the people of Jesus, have an opportunity to speak as an unveiling, speak prophetically to the world around us and truly show that Jesus is king. He's calling his church, his bride, to an ever-ascending union to be with him face to face. And in that moment where Christ returns, the governments of this world will be brought low before him until all nations are gathered equally, not one elevated above the other, but all will be equally placed as his footstool, as he elevates his people, his bride, to be seated at the table with him. It's in moments of desperation and fear, when bad results are provided by the doctor, when my child is struggling at school, when I'm at odds with my family, when COVID won't go away and I'm tired of the changes and things that are happening in the world around me, when elections point to a culture that I don't agree with, it's in these moments for people who live without Jesus Christ as King, they want to know why it is that Christians can still have peace. When the doctor comes back with bad news, how is it that you still have peace in the midst of that? When the person that you had voted for wanted to get elected isn't selected, how do you still have peace in the midst of that? See, because the world around us, those without Christ, they can find peace in those things. What they want to know is how do you have it without the conditions working out the way you want? And if you're a follower of Jesus today and you're listening to this, I want to encourage you, don't diminish that in any way. It is a gift that Jesus has given to you. His peace he gives to you. Freely he's given it to you. And so don't allow yourself to join in the world around you that becomes unhinged, anxious, bitter, divisive in these moments, but instead be at rest. Be at peace in Christ who is king who has his purposes and his plans in this very hour. 
And be that prophetic voice that brings peace to your neighbor, to your other family members, to the community around us that's able to say, no, my peace is rooted in something much more than an election, much more than the conditions of the world around me. My peace is found and it's given to me through Jesus Christ. And I walk in it by being in step with the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus is king of my life, he gives me peace even when things are out of my control. I can rest in something, someone that I can't get anywhere else. And this peace, it's an ever-increasing, ever-expanding, and an everlasting peace that he gives. I want to encourage you today, if you're a follower of Jesus, that's the peace, that's the gift you have to share. If you're listening and watching this message and you don't know Jesus, I want to encourage you. Jesus gives that peace freely to all who crown him as king and become his disciple. And I want to invite you to begin that journey today because the uproar, the upheaval of the world around us in this day and hour, it's not going away. It's actually just going to get amped up more and more. And so the only thing that will truly change for you, the only way to truly find this peace that puts your life at rest, your mind at ease, and puts you truly at peace is when you found peace with God through Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you, make that decision today to say, yes, I want to follow you, Jesus, as Lord, as King, and allow the rest of my days to be in pursuit and in discipleship of your kingdom. If you make that decision, there's a book I want to encourage you at the end of this message. They'll let you know about it uh, and how to get that. It's called Following Jesus. But that's the most important decision you can make in this hour that will bring the peace of Jesus Christ into your life so that you can begin to find it regardless of the circumstances around you. Well, allow me to pray. And then in just a moment, we're going to receive communion together. Lord, we thank you for the peace that you give. It's not as the world gives it. It's not temporal. It's not conditional, but it's consistent and it's steadfast. And it's a deep and abiding peace that resides with us and within us, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of what our mind might tell us, regardless of what the future looks like. And so, Lord, I pray that if you would give us this power, I pray you would uh, fill us with your Holy Spirit in such a way that we would just walk in step with you and receive this peace, abide in this peace that you've provided. That come election day, that, uh, that anxiety that some would have, that we would be those, that your, your bride, your church would be those who would be at rest in that moment, recognizing you as king, knowing that you have a purpose and a plan for every nation, every person, and that you are pursuing it, and Lord, you're going to accomplish it. Maybe we be those who pray in those moments, who, as you instructed us to pray, your kingdom come and your will be done here on earth, even as it's taking place in heaven above. Thank you for those who are watching this. Lord, would you bless them and show them favor and let your abiding peace be overflowing out of their lives and be a testimony to those who are around them. For those who are making a decision for you today, Pray, Father, that they too would experience just such a dramatic experience with your peace into their lives that you just wash over them and put them at rest. We thank you for it, Jesus. It's because of who you are, Lord, that we find rest in the midst of a world that's in turmoil 
And we thank you for leading us so graciously and so lovingly. To you be all praise, King Jesus. Amen. Well, we have the bread and the cup, and I want to invite you to hold them before you as we pray. We thank you for your body, broken for us, Lord, laid down so that we could be whole. We thank you that you allowed yourself rejection so that we could be accepted. We thank you that you accepted sin so that we could leave ours behind. We thank you that you overcame sin so that we could be forgiven of ours. Your body, we remember, Lord, you are our peace. You are the one who, when we truly receive you and embrace the life that you've given to us, we are put in perfect peace as our mind is kept on you. So we thank you for your your body, and we receive this bread and remember you now. Lord, with this cup, we remember the covenant. It's not on our work. In fact, none of the fruit of our lives, of the spirit that comes into our lives, none of it's by our efforts, but it's because of what you've done. Everything is a gift from you, Lord. And so we thank you to the ability to live in that freedom, the deep abiding love, the deep abiding joy and peace that you bring to us. Lord, we just thank you so much that you shed your blood to bring forgiveness of sin and reconcile us to the Father. That's the most urgent place where we need peace, Lord. It's not for our circumstances. It's not for the conditions of the world around us. The most urgent place that peace needs to be applied in our life is between us and you. The great gap of our unrighteousness and your righteousness, our lack of holiness and your perfect holiness. What a huge chasm that you bridge for us, Lord, by shedding your blood and causing us to be made righteous, causing us to be made clean because of your sacrifice on the cross. We thank you for your shed blood and we remember it now as we receive the cup. Amen. The Lord bless you as you go on your way and remember that he has a gift of peace for you to live and experience today. You can find more resources for this service at nhgj.org. Email us your prayer requests to prayer at nh4gj.org. If you are a new follower of Jesus, we have a free resource for you called Following Jesus. To receive a copy, send a request to info at nh4gj.org. If you would like to partner with our ministry through giving, you can do that online at nhgj.org giving or by mail to 641 Horizon Drive, Grand Junction, Colorado, 81506. Thank you for being with us and may the Lord bless you.